You've seen the title, How Spirits Are Connected to Your Health, and you may have a reaction one way or the other to it, so let me clarify. Here are some things we're not going to be saying in this episode. We're not saying that if you're sick, that means you're possessed by an evil spirit. We're not saying that if you have some kind of physical malady, that means you're evil or somehow morally responsible for it. And we're definitely not saying that you can skip medicine and use spiritual principles as a substitute for physical cures. We're not saying any of that. However, we are going to say some things. We are going to give you a look at where the spiritual and the physical meet, at the complex dynamics involving heaven, hell, and your physical body, and how we can all do our little part to boost the spiritual immune system of the human race. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg and Life. This is the show where we take the recorded spiritual experiences of Emanuel Swedenborg and then we take life and see can we learn about life from Swedenborg. And if this is your first time here, you're probably wondering, what's a Swedenborg? And that's a great question and it's a long story, but long story short, Swedenborg was a scientist working back in the 18th century. And he had what we would now call a series of spiritual experiences that he wrote down. He documented the whole thing meticulously. And it seems that he was getting insight into the the workings behind the sort of meta-reality of almost everything that we experience. So potentially giving us the why and the how to navigate life in a whole new way. If you want to learn a little bit more about that phenomena in particular, what happened to him, how it happened, what he learned, check out these two videos of ours. This is the long version. This is an hour-long overview of what he learned and how he learned it. This one is a short one, seven, eight minutes just to get you into it. Uh, Or just hang with us and we're going to go into an episode right now. We're looking at what Swedenborg wrote about the connection between spirits and human health. So, is there a connection? Is there really spirits? All that stuff. We got to check it out. We got to see what he said. Does it make sense? Is it something that matches with the reality we experience? So, we're going to take a look at that now. My name is Curtis Childs and I'm going to be your host and we're going to move part by part. And if you have questions, Go ahead, write them in the YouTube comment section. We'll try to answer them up because this may be some material uh, to digest. You know, uh, so is that a health pun? Was that does that even count? Okay, let's take a look. Part one. You've heard of the out of body experience, but there can actually be a lot that goes on, spiritually speaking, when. You're still hanging out in your in your usual spot in the body. And Swedenborg certainly had a lot of these experiences. In this episode, as we try to tease out the relationship between the physical and spiritual and how health plays into it, we're going to be moving a lot between the physical and the spiritual conceptually. And we're going to try to give you this little graphic to try to um, sort things out. So we're going to have uh, the physical and we're going to have the spiritual. Oh, there we go. You came back too. And we'll try to make it clear which one we're talking about when we're talking about it, because it can be confusing. And the way Swedenborg describes it, they're so intertwined anyway that it's hard to separate them out. But that's our job, and we're going to try to do it well. All right, so we'll be back to that in a minute. The, f- the only thing we need to know for now is that the spiritual and the physical are linked by correspondence, which we've talked about a lot. But it, essentially, correspondence is this um, rendering of the spiritual in the physical. And we're going to look at an example of that right here. This is Secrets of Heaven 3883. 
The universal human is the whole of heaven, which is a composite likeness and image of the Lord. Alrighty, man, if you didn't click on that, who is Swedenborg video, we're getting right into it right now. So the universal human, meaning the entirety of heaven functionally is just like a human body in the way that it's interdependent and the way that it's connected. The universal human is the whole of heaven, which is a composite likeness and image of the Lord. The Lord's divine nature corresponds to the heavenly and spiritual attributes there, which correspond to earthly entities in the world particularly those belonging to a human being. Through heaven or the universal human, then, the Lord's divine nature corresponds with a human being and with all the parts that make up a human being, so much so that we spring from, or in other words, are sustained by, this correspondence. And that's what we want to look at, sustained by. You've heard us talking about correspondences in other shows where it seems like, okay, something is in the spiritual world, and so that is shown in an image in the physical world. But this is saying it's more than just that. It's actually the mechanism by which we exist, that it's something that concrete and that powerful. We we are able to be, particularly in this quote he's talking about, be here in our human bodies, with our human form, because this is essentially an echo of the form of God. And that correspondence that God, if it goes from God to heaven to us, we're sort of this chain of being. And if there wasn't that chain, we wouldn't be able to be being. So that's the importance of this correspondence. And we're talking today about health, which is the maintenance of this human form. So how does that correspondence factor into it? There's, there, as you saw in that quote, there's this inflow. So God is, Swedenborg says God is human. Now that doesn't necessarily mean uh, what it sounds like, but, but it has elements of that. Somehow, we are, he says, we are human because God is. So we are some kind of echo of that. And not only that, heaven also is in this form, meaning there are there are functions in heaven, people are performing tasks that answer to the tasks that are performed by different parts of the body, so that we're kind of a little microcosm or a little miniature picture of the larger heaven, and which is ultimately a reflection of God. So there's this inflow from God into our form. This is helping sustain us, but it's not just a general, like, a beam of humanness that goes into us. It goes into every little part. There are specific points of contact for every part, because the, the human body is not one thing. It's this complex intermingling of systems and, and little and small components. So there are actually these this flow in from God in heaven into individual, not just parts, but even systems and organs in the body. There, there is a connection between heaven and the little parts of your body. And Swedenborg was able to feel this connection in an experience. He felt four kinds of this specific inflow that he talks about here. We're going to open up Secrets of Heaven 3884. Remember, you can download these books. Uh, The world has no idea that heaven, the universal human, corresponds in detail with a human being, or that we emerge from and live off this correspondence. So anything more that can be said about it will necessarily seem puzzling and incredible. Okay, if you feel like you're puzzled and things are too incredible to believe, that's how you're supposed to be right now. Let me recount some experiences that have confirmed my belief in it. And I, sorry, I keep interrupting, but it's cool that he's like, I know this is way out there, but I went through it. That's why I believe it. So he, he can, he understands why it might seem difficult to swallow initially. Once when an inner heaven opened up to me and I talked with the angels there, I was able to make the following observations. It needs to be known that although I was in heaven, I was not outside myself, but was in my body, hence the title of this section. Heaven is within a person, wherever the person is, so when it pleases the Lord, we can be in heaven without leaving our body. 
Accordingly, I was given the opportunity to perceive the general workings of heaven as plainly as anything I observe with my senses. There were four types of action I sensed at that time. The first played on my brain at the left temple and had a general effect on my organs of reason. The left part of the brain corresponds to rational or intellectual activity, and the right part to effective or voluntary activity. And you might be saying, well, yeah, okay, so he just threw that left brain, right brain stuff in there. When he back when he was saying this, 1700s, there was no science on that yet. Nobody had discovered the hemispheres of the brain. He actually preempted that, it seems, through these spiritual experiences that he was having. But back to what he said, heaven was interacting with his left side brain, and he was able to feel heaven's interaction there. We don't actually have nerve endings inside the brain, but heaven was able to come through and give him a sensation that he linked to the brain. So somehow he's talking to angels, and because those angels in the plan of heaven, are doing the same thing for heaven that the brain, left side of the brain does for the body, they were interacting. He, when he communicated with those angels, he was feeling it in the brain. So is, this, is that a lot? That This is how the connection works, and we're going to give several more examples, uh, the other three examples here, as he puts them, and maybe this will help kind of drive home the concept. So this is from Secrets of Heaven 3884. This is him describing this interaction as he communicated with these societies of angels, this is how he felt it in his body. I sensed the second general type of action as working on the breathing of my lungs, gently controlling it from within, so that I had no need to draw breath or respire by any effort of will. Then I clearly sensed heaven's own breathing, which is deep and therefore imperceptible to people on earth. All the same, Through the miracle of correspondence, it influences their breathing, which is superficial, belonging to the body. If we were deprived of this influence, we would fall down dead in an instant. The third type of action I sensed affected my heart's systole and diastole, which was then gentler than at any other time. My pulse was regular, about three beats to a breath, but by nature it synchronized with and therefore controlled the breath rate. At the end of every breath, I was somehow given the ability to observe the way the heart's rhythm inserted itself into the lung's rhythm. My pulse was so clearly perceptible that I could count the beats, which were distinct and soft. The fourth general type of action targeted my kidneys, and this too I was allowed to perceive, but only vaguely. These observations showed me several things. Heaven, the universal human, has a heartbeat and respiration. The heartbeat of heaven, or the universal human, has a correspondence with the heart and with its systolic and diastolic activity. The respiration of heaven, the universal human, has a correspondence with the lungs and their breathing. We cannot observe either though, because they are internal and consequently imperceptible. Two takeaways from that. I guess there's a lot of takeaways you could pull, but one is that he says that we breathe, for example, our breathing is linked to heaven's breathing, that heaven is breathing, just like we are obviously on a much more complex and large scale, but they're doing something spiritually that's analogous to our physical breath, and that our breath depends on that breath, so there's that much of a link there. But also, the Swedenborg was able to know where in heaven each group of angels was uh, based on how he felt it in the body. So if he's, as he did, going and having these experiences where he can talk with angels, he can learn about them by using his own body as, as a 
research or, or as an indicator, some kind of radar or something like that, that when he was talking to them, he could feel oh, this is interacting with my lungs, this is interacting with my heart, this is interacting with my kidneys. So I know that you guys are from that region in heaven because of our interaction. Uh, so let's look f- further in Secrets of Heaven 5171. And, the, and this is him describing that. In the other life, it is possible to tell what areas various angelic communities belong to by their location relative to the human body and by their operation and influence, since they operate into and influence that organ and limb in which they dwell. Again, it's not them dwelling in your body specifically, it's them dwelling in the larger uh, the larger form of heaven. See our episode, we did one called The Shape of Heaven, which tells you more about this concept, but they are part of the spiritual universal arm, so they're gonna, they have communication with your arm in some way. Their influence and operation can be perceived only by the inhabitants of the other world, though. This is important. And not by people on earth. So how did Swedenborg feel it? Except one whose inner depths have been opened up to that world. Not even then is it possible unless the Lord enables the person to reflect on incoming sensations and perceive something from them. So we are not necessarily, all of us, unless your inner depths have been opened, I don't think mine have, uh, that we're not walking around when we feel something good in our heart or in our lungs. It doesn't mean we're directly feeling heaven. There's some kind of, it's just like we can't directly sense the spiritual world. You can't see things in the spiritual world, even though the spiritual world is all around us, according to Swedenborg. But he had this opening of his spiritual eyes, which meant that he could see it, and he had this opening of something, some kind of, uh, as he puts it, inner depths in him, which made it so that he could then feel this influence from heaven. But even if you have your inner depths open, so let's say you got those things open, you still have to be given, as he puts it, by the Lord, this reflection on the sensations as they're coming in. So there's a few gates between us and having this same experience that Swedenborg uh, did. So let's pull up our physical, spiritual chart again, just in case you're not quite sure where he is. So Swedenborg had a physical body, right? Like all of us. And in the spiritual world, there's this grand uh, universal human, which is the correspondence that, that relates to and interacts with and sustains all of our bodies. So Swedenborg, in his physical body, this is hard to like, because I'm reversed on the screen here. Um, Swedenborg, in his physical body, would feel something in the brain or, or in the heart or in the lungs, and from that would know, oh, these angels dwell in the region of what's analogous to the head, meaning... Like the head is where the brain is stored, the decision-making center is stored, where the, where the eyes are in the head so that you can see, and seeing corresponds to understanding. The angels who are involved in those kinds of functions, like they, they learn or they make decisions, that kind of thing, that affects his physical, affects him spiritually, but because his inner depths are open, he can feel it in different parts of his physical body. And even for those of us who can't feel it, in the physical, there still is a spiritual connection to this this grand human of heaven, which sustains the physical body on earth. That without it, we wouldn't survive. We need that as part of the system. All right. So you may be saying, "Hey, man, how come Swedenborg got to have this this cool thing where he got to feel heaven? Don't you want to have your your inner depths open so you can do that too?" Well, but it's not all heaven, right? Swedenborg's most famous book was called Heaven and Hell, and he got to actually have this same sensory experience with both the light and the dark side, as we're going to see in part two. But first, we have here another fan video, which I keep sending those in, youtube.com, I mean, uh, off the left eye at gmail.com, 
uh, get us, how did Swedenborg impact you? Send us a little video clip. This was actually an image we got with, along with a note uh, from somebody, and we're, Chelsea, who works here, is reading that, but this is from somebody uh, who's taken Swedenborg and uh, put him on a door. Uh, so here, check it out. Hi, my name is Lee Sponjeberi. I live in Stockholm and I'm a graffiti artist. I have been studying Swedenborg for some years and yesterday I did this painting on Svedenborgs Gatan, Swedenborg Street, in Mariatoriet, Stockholm, just next to where Swedenborg lived on Horns Gatan. I follow Off the Left Eye on YouTube and I love your work and I just wanted to share my artwork with you. Chelsea for the pronunciation. Uh, if we got anything wrong, we're trying our very best. Yeah, so in this section, we're going to be looking at the hell side of things. So Swedenborg, his whole spiritual experiences was experiencing both, just like you and I and everybody in our own little physical lives experience both what we could call heaven and what we could call hell. That's the, the dichotomy between joy and pain, but also the mindset uh, of love and of community and of selflessness that's heaven, and then the ego-driven isolation uh, and, and unstoppable negative thoughts that are hell. So Swedenborg just got to see what was behind that, and it came through very viscerally in these experiences. Swedenborg would interact with both heavenly and hellish spirits in this way, and heavenly spirits, as we saw in the first section here, caused health, or were inflowing into the healthy operations of organs in his body, good sensations, but the hell caused pain and disorder. And we're going to look into a particular number here, but first we have to issue a public service warning. Uh, if the, the following quote uh, acknowledges the existence of certain parts of the human body uh, that we all have, and if you haven't, if you got your kids in the room and you haven't taught them about these guys and these guys, uh, they it's talking a little bit about what those parts are used for, so you know, send them out to the movies. All right, let's take a look. This is Secrets of Heaven 5060. But it's worth us getting into this because it's an important point. This is Swedenborg describing. Likewise, I was able to tell just who corresponds to the testicles, there it is, from spirits devoted to violating marriage love who inflict pain on the testicles. When communities in the other world operate, they act on those areas and parts of the body to which they correspond. Heavenly communities exert a soft, sweet, agreeable influence. Hellish communities, in opposition to them, exert a harsh, painful influence. Their influence is not noticed, though, except by people whose inner reaches have opened up and who have therefore been given perceptible communication with the spiritual world. Again, he's asserting that if you're walking along and your arm or anything starts to hurt, it doesn't mean that's hell doing it. We're, we're mainly just feeling physical reasons for things. The spirits devoted to violating marriage love who inflict pain on the testicles are those that use love, friendship, and professional duties as a cover for treachery. When they came to me, they wanted to talk with me privately, being extremely fearful of bystanders. This is what they had been like during their physical life, and since they were such then, they are also such in the next life. Our life always follows us. And that doesn't mean our life always follows us, meaning if you didn't pay off your mortgage in this life, you will have it in the next life. Or if... You didn't have very cool hair in this life, you'll have it. No, our life, Swedenborg says that our life on the deepest down is what we love, 
the, what we put our attention to and our effort into, the choices that we make, like what's the purpose behind the choices we're making? That makes us who we are, and that, those aspects of our personality, they stay with us. The stuff that we really loved and chose in this life, not the, the superficial things. But I'm burying the headline. Why did we choose this particular example uh, that mentions testicles? Well, it has to do with, it shows very well the reverse correspondences of each. That Swedenborg says the genitals of both sexes correspond to the highest heaven, because this is how the human race is propagated, and it's the, the greatest use that we can have. So, the heavens that communicate with those keep everything in order. But if there's somebody who, in spirit, is against marriage love, as Swedenborg calls it, then they cause pain in that same part of the body, because they're against the structure and the purpose of those parts of the body. So Swedenborg is reporting on having those experiences because the life of those spirits was so opposed to everything that's good about reproduction and procreation and everything that makes the human race possible, makes relationships possible. So there's this diametrically opposed natures of of the heavens and the hells around that. And you might think, wow, that was the worst experience Swedenborg must have ever had uh, with, with spiritual, physical pain. But no, I mean, it gets, it gets more intense than that, and we're going to show it to you, because it is, in the United States at least, and everywhere maybe, Halloween. So this is our Halloween episode. We're going to show you a little spooky encounter that Swedenborg had. He was able, even able to feel hell wafting up and causing pain and sickness and problems in him. So this is a clip uh, from Secrets of Heaven 5715, where we'll have Swedenborg played by the illustrious Dr. Jonathan Rose. So here's Swedenborg's experience. I saw a large square tunnel that slanted downward, stretching deep below. At the bottom appeared a round hole that lay open at the moment but soon closed. From it wafted warm, unwholesome air, collected from various hells, which rose out of compulsions of various kinds, such as pride, lust, adultery, hatred, vengefulness, feuds, and fighting. These produced the warm air in the hells that was wafting out. When it acted on my body, it would immediately make me feel sick, as if I had a burning fever. But the moment the warmth stopped affecting me, the sick feeling stopped. In order for me to learn for sure that this was so, spirits from many hells would join me and communicate the atmosphere exhaling from their hells. When it was allowed to act on the solid parts of my body, I would be gripped with a corresponding feeling of heaviness, pain, and sickness, which would instantly stop when the spirits were banished. This happened a thousand times to avoid leaving any room for doubt. Did I call him illustrious or illustrious? I don't know. Whatever. I'll watch the tape. The point is, that's something Swedenborg was going through. And he got to, because his interiors were open like that, he got to really have hell operate on him. And we actually can, you may be wondering, what kind of spirits would cause all those different kinds of pain? And we actually were able to pull together what we think, he doesn't mention in that number, but in other numbers, he talks about the same kind of pain and the spirits who cause it. So we're going to go through here, who's causing all of these problems. So let's look at the first one here. Um, <clears throat> so, so he talked about 
having stomach pain and indigestion based on spirits who induced worry and anxiety, people who had worried about the future um, and and uh, self-gratification uh, and that kind of thing and, and uh, longing to control things. Uh, then he also said he had connective tissue and nerve pain. I don't know if you guys have ever had connective tissue pain, but he was given that from spirits who wanted to take advantage of others for self-gratification, to use other people uh, just as objects for their own goals. Then there was also blood disorder, which, you know, hats off to Jonathan Rose for acting out blood disorder. But those are, that's from, was induced by, Swedenborg says, spirits who mock teachings of love. They have no care for the neighbor, they only have self-concern, because that that is destroying what corresponds to the blood. And then there was also extreme teeth and gum pain spreading up into the jaw and skull. Poor guy. And that is from spirits who would tr- hide their true thoughts and feelings for the sake of personal advantage. They would speak reverently, but it was just to use people and use their desire to have spirituality or religion to gain power and gain control. So that affects the teeth like that. So those are the kinds of things. Are you starting to see this, what the correspondence is? That there are there are spiritual or psychological things that correspond to physical things. And when you're against the psychological thing, like if you're against um, love, then you cause pain in the body in a certain area that corresponds to just the way that you're against it. And Swedenborg was able to feel this over and over. And so if he was getting this stuff from spirits, that may bring up the question for all of us. If we start to feel sick, you know, if you're feeling nauseous, is it because of the, the food you just ate or is that hell? Does hell cause disease. If you get a cold, are you in touch with hell? Let's find out, and this is a number where we're going to have a lot of U-turns on, so seatbelts, please. Secrets of Heaven 5713. Swedenborg says, all hellish spirits bring on illness with differences because all the hells crave evil and are obsessed with it. Now wait, in the beginning of this episode, we said we were going to say that if you were sick, that did not mean you were possessed, so already it seems like we're crossing ourselves, but remember, hang on, the number changes. They therefore work against influences from heaven and have the opposite effect on us. Heaven, the universal human, keeps everything connected and safe from harm. Hell, being opposed, destroys everything and rends it apart. If hellish spirits latch on, then they trigger illness and eventually death. Well, that sounds like, so is is all the medical community dealing with hell? I mean, do we just need to take out the spirits and then we'll be fine? Stay tuned. However, hellish spirits are not permitted to exert their influence right on the solid parts of the body or the parts composing a person's organs, viscera, and limbs just on a person's corrupt desires and distorted ideas. So essentially, the beginning of the number is hypothetical. This is what hell would do if they were allowed to act into your body, but they're not. The only way they can get in is to influence you to have distorted thoughts and corrupt feelings. Uh, But that does not mean that if you have some kind of bad feeling or thought that that will get you sick. All right, so we've got our stage set. Let's Let's continue further. Only when we fall sick do they act on the unclean substances connected with disease. Nonetheless, this does not block the possibility of physical cure. So you do have an interaction here between hell and physical health, but it seems to have these, you see in green there, these physical gates on it, that hell can't make you sick, but when you get sick from a physical cause, hell is somehow interacting 
with the disease. However, it doesn't mean you have to you know, do an exorcism to get rid of them. This does not block the possibility of physical cure, because once the body is repaired, hell no longer has access. So he seems to be saying that even though the spiritual world is involved, like it always is, for the physical body, the physical world takes precedence. The means of healing co- coincide with the Lord's providence. So, so God is healing even things that that are interacting with the spiritual through the physical. Much experience has taught me that this is the case so many times and for so long that not a shred of doubt remains. Evil spirits from these kinds of places have often latched on to me for long periods, causing pain and also illness, depending on where they were present. I was shown where they were located and what they were like and was told where they came from. What? Have we just turned back around? Doesn't he just say, the physical cure, but then the evil spirits were causing... But remember, Swedenborg is in this... A special state where he or hell has more direct access to him because he he's more directly in tune with heaven and hell. And what it seems like here is he's just being shown glimpses of this process for science so that he can report it back to us and we can make a convoluted show like this one about it. All right. So that's a bit of what's going on. Does that mean that uh, physical disease has any commentary on your spiritual state? Remember that we said in the beginning, we were saying, if you are sick, that doesn't mean that you're bad. So if you're getting sick, is that because you had a weak spirit? And no, it's a spiritual experience is minor, 4648, where he talks about it. As a result of natural causes, diseases do indeed occur in the people in the physical world who do not have the spirit of that disease in the other world. But whenever those diseases occur, spirits that correspond to that disease become present. So if you have a heart problem in this life, it does not mean that you are out of touch with the heaven that corresponds to that heart, or there's something wrong with your spiritual heart. It's not a one-to-one thing like that. Let's pull our physical spiritual chart back up. So you can have physical disease once something happens in the physical world, pathogen gets in there, there's some kind of internal uh, waste buildup, or something's not working right, injury, something like that. Then, once something's gone wrong, the spiritual hell can flow in there and participate with that. However, once the physical is rebuilt, then hell has to go, right? So hell is somehow contributing, but it's not fully, it's not, it's not the, the final say on the thing. And even if you have yeah, a physical problem with your hand, it does not mean that you, there's an issue with your spiritual power, which a hand corresponds to power. There is a larger context in which this is all happening. And what is that? How does that work? What is that context? That's exactly the subject of part three, so uh, I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look at it now. So where's the actual crossover? We're talking about spiritual and physical, but where do they meet? Does the spiritual ever cause something directly in the physical? How does that work? We know that spiritual and physical are connected by correspondences, right? We, we already said that. We already talked about that. And so spiritual health and physical health are connected by correspondences. And that does, but that doesn't mean that if there's something wrong with your physical body, it's an indicator there's something wrong with your spirit. There, you can think of it more in terms of um, environmental health issues. We are born spiritually into 
what Swedenborg calls hereditary evil, which is this general um, uh, tendency towards negative things, which kind of lets the 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 hell the the degrading side come in, whereas heaven is pushing back against them. And Swedenborg says this is always going on in our spirit, and you know the struggle is going on for our whole lives, and it's not something that we've brought on by our own fault. It's something that's just part of the system. Um, so there's always this clash between spiritual health and spiritual sickness. But but what are, we better start by saying, what are spiritual health and sickness? I mean, is it the same thing as physical health? Are there microbes? What is the whole mechanism? Or the physical body gets sick and it might die. Is that what spirituality, uh, is that what the spiritual side of it is? So we're going to take a look here at spiritual health, spiritual sickness, and how we can move between them. So here's a little chart that we have. Let's look first at spiritual health. This is spiritual health, and spiritual health will be a condition in which, in the Spirit, God is present and God is sending in love and wisdom, which are the good impulses of neighborly love, the true ideas about spiritual life and God, and that is moving unfettered into the Spirit. That's when our mind is happy and the mind is the Spirit. That's when we're in the heavenly state, which is divine order, which is health. However, there can be spiritual sickness as well. This is when hell is moving in with evil and falsity. Swedenborg says all unrest is from evil and falsity. These are things that are outside the divine design. They're not in order. Cravings, harmful impulses, justifications, distorted thinking, all the stuff that messes up a mind, messes up a spirit. So how do we get from uh, spiritual sickness up to spiritual health. We do that through the process that Swedenborg called regeneration, which is essentially turning to God, doing self-examination and repentance, that kind of thing. That is what leads us back, and we've done several programs about it, but it's sort of a, a voluntary aspect to this, this spiritual healing, and there's always this struggle going between spiritual health and spiritual sickness, and our whole life, sort of the progress of our life is in that arc of trying to get from spiritual sickness to spiritual health, and that might seem a bit extreme, like why is it always a struggle, why isn't it just like every six months you get a cold or something? Well, actually, that's the way it is physically, too. We're just not always aware of it. We had a chat with our good friend, Dr. Ed Higgins, who knows about the physical immune system, and he was telling us a little bit about how that principle, that there's always a struggle going on, is playing out inside of us physically all the time. So here's what he had to say. We think about the immune system overall. It, it helps me to think about a kind of, there's an, this perceptible part that we know when I get sick, and that's here and there, it's occasional. There's the daily imperceptible part that is really... It's working 24-7. We don't, we're usually not aware of that, and actually we like have no control over that. So that, that part, I couldn't stop if I wanted to. So we are, we're constantly being bombarded by microbes, bacteria, viruses, fungi, a lot of toxins too, so things coming at us. We're, we're built perfectly, though, to, to a large extent keep them out. Skin, a nice kind of microbiologically speaking, thick barrier, dry it's not a good growing medium like germs like moist areas so it's a great barrier to keep a lot of stuff out mucous membranes protect us wherever we have some kind of connection to the outside world nasal passage throat urogenital gi tract passages mucous membranes there keep germs out germs can get in a little they get stuck in this thick mucus layer and that lets our our system attack them that's going on constantly and we have no idea so that's kind of keeping the bad guys out. 
Lots of internal maintenance too though, always. We have roaming cells that are always looking for damage, debris, so they're, they're gathering garbage, cellular waste that, that if it built up would be toxic for us. It's constantly being kept in check by the immune system. And then normal maintenance stuff, the bones. Bones are constantly being broken down. Uh, most estimates say we actually build new skeleton about once every 10 years. So roughly 10% of our skeleton changes every year. And that, so I, I don't know that's going on. It's constantly happening though. So, so that's all happening kind of background day to day and we have no idea any of it's going on. Couldn't stop it if we wanted to. If and when something breaks through a virus, you get a cold virus, it breaks through. Now that's that more perceptible part. Still the immune system working on our uh, behalf. Most of what we perceive, the symptoms, the runny nose, the cough, that's mostly from the immune system. A virus does what it does, and, and we'll think, oh, immune system, why'd you let me down? I got sick. Well, the little virus could completely wipe you out if it wasn't kind of held back to where, fine, I get seven to ten days of a runny nose, a cough, maybe a fever, but, you know, big picture, I'm fighting that off eventually. So that part, that part we notice when it happens, you get a cold three, four times a year, maybe, but it's always working in the background, keeping us protected. And the the bones regenerating every 10 years or, you know, a tenth of it, that, that I'd never heard that before. That's intense. Anyway, the point of that is that we have these sort of two phases of our physical immune system. There's the constant background struggle to keep homeostasis. Things are trying to get in. Things need to get out. That's always going on. We don't usually notice it. And then there are these acute periods where we get ill. And Swedenborg says the same thing is happening on a spiritual level, that there's this constant struggle between heaven and hell, between God and evil for us, for, for the possession of our life and, and our soul. And God is trying to lead us into everything that is happy and good and healthy, whereas hell is trying to drag us into misery and, and um, sort of wasting potential. But then there are these these periods where we become aware of this struggle, and Swedenborg describes them as spiritual trials or shatterings or temptations, and this is, this is sort of like when we get sick, when we and we actually have to participate in trying to get better, just like we when we get physically sick, we you know what do we what do you do? Drink tea is emergency good? I don't know. Uh, that that's the dynamic there. So that's the setup, but. It doesn't. All this linking of the spiritual and the physical m- might be sending out the impression that if you get sick, it's because you somehow failed spiritually, and that's not the case. Swedenborg says it's not the case, and Jesus Christ says it too. In, in case he holds any credibility with you, this is where he's talking uh, in Luke thirteen to some people uh, about this phenomenon. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those eighteen who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Okay, so he's not talking directly about disease there, but he's saying, look, this bad thing happened to these people. Do you think it was because they deserved it? No, it wasn't happening. Uh, It's not because they deserved it, but it, it happened. And he says, repent. So why does he say that stuff? Well, I think we can look at 
sort of um, corollary in the way that we fight physical disease here. Let's say, for instance, that we're talking about um, ALS. You guys remember that? Well, we if one if you have it and you donate some money, you guys remember the the ice bucket challenge? Yeah, a couple members of our staff actually participated in that. Uh, worth every moment. None of that. If you that's Stuart. So let's say Stuart had ALS. Him doing the ice bucket challenge and donating that money to to the research that doesn't cure his particular uh, case. If if you donate to cancer research, doesn't matter how much you donate, it's not going to have a, an impact on your particular case. However, it does contribute to the cure for all of humanity, so that those to come, maybe in your lifetime, maybe after it, will benefit from that. And that's kind of what our particular regeneration does, because if we have a disease of the kidneys, uh, it doesn't mean that we have some kind of spiritual problem wrong with our kidneys, but if we regenerate, if we work to bring in heaven and push out hell, we are pushing out, we are giving less fuel to hell, and hell is where all disease comes from. So the more that we do the things that we reject the things coming from hell, do the opposite things, the less power hell has, and the less overall that decreases its ability to cause disease, which is why I think Jesus was saying to those people, no, it wasn't their fault, but you guys should repent, because the more that you repent, which is pushing away evil and accepting good, the more you're pushing back in your little way against the root cause of all kinds of things that are evil, from disease to accidents to everything. Swedenborg says, all evil is coming out of hell. So we can do our little part to reflect uh, the big the big part, or to improve the, the spiritual immune system, as we said in the beginning, of the human race. Does that make sense? So it doesn't, doesn't matter what's happening in your body, that's not necessarily a direct reflection of the spiritual, but you can, by being good, put your little contribution into relieving all suffering. Uh, but all this indirect stuff, is there ever actually a direct crossover between the physical and the spiritual? Well, I don't know, maybe. I mean, let's take a look. Swedenborg does say that in one particular area where there might be a direct crossover is that Swedenborg says that spirits are connected to our thoughts and feelings. That's something you've seen on this channel all the time. We often talk about it, how hell and heaven can be influencing how we think, how we feel all the time. And but what we're wondering here is, could they also be connected to physical symptoms that we feel? And is there a connection between thoughts and feelings and physical symptoms? So Swedenborg says in Secrets of Heaven 5717, he's talking about spirits move outside the body along a path that corresponds to those spaces in the body. And the movement is sensed as an internal invasion. Correspondence creates the sensation. Because of the correspondence, their activity is easily transferred into the person on whom it is focused. So he does seem to be indicating that symptoms could be felt there, and that would be what was causing uh, his pain earlier. You remember we had that, uh, he was going through that uh, that whole by-the-fireplace issue. Uh, you remember that? And he was sensing these uh, spirits acting on him in various ways. Is that um, then... He talked. Then he talks about the way that this was caused was not actually spirits getting into his body by moving, but by moving along these pathways that he said were near the body. And we're wondering that sort of sounds like 
several things in other traditions, um, which we have a graphic of here. Oh, so that's, okay, that's the graphic of Swedenborg sensing those things uh, that I was just talking about with uh, his stomach pain and indigestion. That's caused by these spirits who have this particular evil that they're pumping into him, right? And Swedenborg is saying they do it not by getting into his body, but by correspondence near the body. And is that correspondence near the body like this, these other traditions that we then have another graphic for? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So these are different different ways that there's been this depiction of the mind mapping onto the body, that the, the, the things of thoughts and feelings are present you know, in all these different spots in the body, and you can affect one through the other. So is that sort of similar to this path in the body that Swedenborg says spirits are using to affect the body through the mind? And we do know that the mind can affect the body. This is There's a phenomenon, you've probably heard about it, psychosomatic pain, where the thoughts and feelings get transferred into physical experience. So we, we thought we'd talk to a psychologist about that. This is Dr. Er- Dr. Erica Hyatt, and she's talking a little bit about that phenomenon and how it plays out in people. There's an entire category of experiences that we label psychosomatic, and that literally means that they are often engendered within the psyche or the mind, and they are expressed physically, somatically through the body. So that's the connection of what's going on in your head to what you're experiencing in your body. And that can range from something very rare that we call conversion disorder, where a person looks like they might be having a stroke. They have strange neurological symptoms, but there's nothing wrong with their brain, to hypochondriasis, where a person might fear having a certain illness and become obsessed with that illness and very anxious over it and spend lots of time checking for it. But ultimately what underlies these disorders is there's usually some sort of psychological need that's not being met that ultimately, whether we're aware of that need or not, is being expressed through the physical body. And that is just proof that our bodies and minds are so powerfully connected and that the experiences of what's happening in here, even if we're not aware of it, they're ultimately influencing what our bodies are doing. And so we see people that have very real looking symptoms. They might have heart palpitations. Again, they might have what we call focal paralysis, paralysis on one side. And it's just because of this experience of what's happening in their heads that they're working through or dealing with on a conscious or unconscious level that's causing it to show up looking like a very real medical illness. So is this an an example of the spiritual affecting the physical pretty directly? Because Swedenborg says spirits and angels uh, of good and bad kinds can affect the thoughts and feelings. So then those thoughts and feelings affect the body. So that's a pretty direct route. Could that be the spiritual world influencing the body? But so th- there's one thought, but is it? can we ever really tell if something is rooted in the physical or the spiritual? Does it ha- always have to be either or? Could it ever be both taking place in the same interaction? This is Secrets of Heaven 8164. And this is a particular example where there seems to be a crossover uh, that, that falls along a spectrum. So I'll show you what I'm talking about here. There are spiritual trials and earthly trials. Trials are, Swedenborg describes them as just hard times uh, in, in mind and in body. Spiritual trials test the inner self. Earthly trials, the outer. Spiritual trials can happen in either the absence or presence of earthly trials. In earthly trials, it is our body, 
status, affluence, in short, our earthly life that suffers. As, for instance, when we experience sickness, misfortune, persecution, unjust punishment, and so on. The distress that then arises is what is meant by earthly trials. These challenges contribute nothing whatever to our spiritual life, nor can they be called trials, only afflictions. They arise out of wounds sustained by our earthly life. Spiritual trials, however, test our inner self and attack our spiritual life. In spiritual trials, we do not worry about any loss of earthly life, but of faith and charity, and consequently of salvation. So he goes on, These struggles are often triggered by earthly struggles, because during them, in sickness or pain or the loss of wealth and prestige and so on, we might find ourselves thinking about the help the Lord offers about his providence. We might think about the way the wicked boast and preen while the virtuous agonize and suffer various types of pain and loss. If we do think these thoughts, spiritual trial then combines with earthly trial. This was true of the Lord's final trial, meaning Jesus's final trial, in Gethsemane and during the crucifixion, which was the worst of all. These remarks clarify the difference between earthly and spiritual trial. There is also a third type, melancholia, which usually traces its cause to a diseased condition of body or mind. It can incorporate either a certain measure of spiritual trial or no spiritual trial at all. He seems to be setting out different possible combinations of physical and spiritual there, and we'll use a spectrum, a physical-spiritual spectrum that they can follow along. So, uh, uh, initially, let's look at, you know, you could have something that was entirely spiritual. He talks about spiritual trials, and this could would be psychological stuff. This would be um, crises, crisis of faith, or, or more like a breakdown or something where love and truth at the deepest level in you are being assaulted by hell. And this can be very, very painful psychologically, a lot of fear uh, and anxiety and suffering, but, but no physical, not really physical symptoms coming with it. He says that on the other end of things, there can be things that are entirely physical. Some kind of disease happens. It's just physical. It's not really progressing us spiritually. However, he says that we have the option to add a spiritual component to that. So we can kind of come back to the middle where even if there's a physical thing going on, if we use it as a springboard to think about life at a deeper level, to think about God, to think about how we treat people, to think about what matters, and to think about our behavior, how it affects people. We can, something that would be physical now is also serving a spiritual purpose, so you have sort of a both and happening there. So by our own initiative, we can make something into this spirit, a meeting place between this physical and the spiritual, and so you can be working on your physical health and spiritual health at the same time. So with even there, though, it's such a, a blurred line. There seems to be such a mishmash. And with the whole correspondence thing, the, the two are so intertwined, it's very hard to extricate them from each other. So probably the best bet there is to treat all levels holistically, the, the psychological or mental or spiritual or whatever you want to call it, along with the physical. And Erica had a few more things to say about that. So we really like to promote a holistic sense of health in the field of psychology, which means that we encourage people to take care of their bodies. And that can mean a variety of things. That might mean yoga and gentle stretches or breathing exercises where we learn to have them attend to their breath because as they learn to breathe through their diaphragms, taking these slow cleansing breaths, oftentimes they'll learn to have better control over their thought processes. They'll engage in mindfulness, which is just allowing their thoughts to come and go and not judge them, but also become aware once their bodies are calm 
becoming aware of what they're actually thinking. These are thoughts that they might not pay attention to on a daily basis, but by calming oneself and by taking care of the body through an exercise like yoga or even cardiovascular activity, we tend to see a better experience with psychological health. And this also goes through putting foods in our bodies that are helpful to us, exposing ourselves to enough light in the winter to stimulate vitamin D, which raises moods, and there's a lot of research that indicates that these are really important things to do for our bodies that help our bodies, help us look great and feel great overall. But really the benefit is what it does for our minds. Similarly, there's so much work being done in the field of spirituality and psychology and how when we connect to whether it's a higher power or whether it's a community, when we engage in prayer or meditation, it doesn't necessarily matter if it's formal worship in a church environment or if it's working in a community group and perhaps doing some altruistic work. Whatever that experience is of connecting to a higher form of ourselves spiritually, that has wonderfully positive effects on the body. We start to relax. We start to take notice of what's happening inside our bodies. And then as a result, we want to do that more because we feel so much better. So whether it's sitting in quiet contemplation, listening to music, whether it's writing or feeding your soul, things that inspire you or make you passionate, that helps your body also feel better. And body and mind can start working together to promote a healthier, more satisfied quality of life. It's all true. I mean, I was, I was having depression, all that stuff. And I had Swedenborg. I had all these concepts in there. But unless you take care of the physical side, you're never going to make it. Even you know, to this day, for me, for everybody, what you eat matters, how you live matters. That's going to affect. It's not, there's, you're never just going to be experiencing the spiritual in isolation. you got to take care of the body as well. Here's how Swedenborg puts it. This is Secrets of Heaven 8378. The welfare of the mind matches conditions in the parts of the body receiving its influence, just as the quality of vision matches the condition of the eye. You know if something's messed up with the retina or the cornea or, or I don't know what other parts of the eye there are, you're not going to be able to see. You can just tell. So, so in the same way, unless the physical side of things is taken care of, it's going to be, uh, you know, you're always going to be having uh, an uphill struggle there. So you, you don't want to neglect, the, the takeaway is you don't want to neglect the physical because you think the spiritual is all that matters. It's part of a system. Uh, and see, but, but since we got the physical anyway, looking at it and the way that it works can give us insight into spiritual situations because there is this correspondence. It's just like you learn about physical things. Like let's say I want to exercise and get in shape. By looking at the physical, you know that you can't just do it once and then expect big change. You've got to do it repetitively. You've got to do it consistently. And you you learn the kind of incremental change that happens. That's the same thing with spiritual growth. It's not like you're going to watch one show. Well, maybe this show because it's so good. Am I right? You're going to watch one show and then that's going to change your mind or you're going to read one book and then that's going to be it. It's practice. It's practice. It's practice because the spirit changes like the body does. We can learn things from it. So seeing that physical can give us insight into these spiritual things. So from the physical tools we have, we can make spiritual tools. And speaking of that, we've tried to do that for you guys. We have a series called Spiritual Toolkit. Click any of these. These are just some little tips for sort of, you know, that mental spiritual exercise, uh, a few things to, to help you, you know, beef up your regimen. If you're looking for it, all right, 
we've looked at the crossover, and we're talking a little bit now about how to care for the the mind, the spirit, and the body. In the next section, we'll take that to its conclusion uh, in looking at our eternal health care. So as we were just asserting earlier, it's good to take care of both the body and the soul. And Swedenborg says that there's a reason for it. It's not just these are the systems you happen to have, so take care of them. There's sort of an order uh, of operations we can be looking towards. This is Secrets of Heaven 5949. We have every obligation to take care of our body, making sure it is nourished, clothed, and indulged with worldly pleasures. The whole point, though, is the soul, not the body. The point is for the soul to function in a healthy body that responds properly and to have the body as its fully obedient instrument. Okay, so there, the point is the soul. Got it. The soul will then be our final purpose, except that the soul will not be a final, but only an immediate purpose. So it's not even about the soul. What is it about? We will take care of our soul, not for its own sake, but for the sake of the services we then perform in both worlds. And when being useful is our goal, the Lord is our goal, because He disposes us to be useful and oversees the useful activity itself. So take care of the body so that the body can be a good home for the soul. Take care of the soul so that it can be a good thing for for what you accomplish in life, for what you do to make the world a better place. That's the point. That's the whole reason. It's not the only thing. you. He said, make sure that you take care of yourself. That includes recreation and refreshing the mind, but the ultimate goal, the thing that, as we talked about before, makes up our life is this good that we're doing for the world and for the human race, and that is the purpose of the whole thing, that having a good purpose there is really what contributes to spiritual health. And as the more that we focus on good things and are taking care of our spirits, the more that our spiritual associations and location, according to Swedenborg, can change. And we can actually, like you detox your physical body, you can be shedding some negative spiritual influences. But as you'll see in this next quote, uh, it's not just right like that. It's just like in the physical body. Things take time because there's so much going on. So this is a little of Swedenborg's spiritual health experience. This is 6195 from Secrets of Heaven. I was able to see how we are united with either heaven or hell through different kinds of love. Love for ourselves and love for worldly advantages unite us with hell, but love for our neighbor and love for God unite us with heaven. It was also evident that a person tied to hell can never be released except by the Lord and by divine means. This was demonstrated by the spirits who were tied to me just by slight feelings. I was freed from them only through intermediate kinds of love that gradually united them to others. As they were being detached, they appeared to move away from me, out in front and to the left. I observed the process through changes in my in the state of my feelings, because as my feelings changed, they withdrew. And if you haven't watched a lot of these shows, that was probably like, what? What was that? Short story. You're always connected to the spiritual world. You're connected to different groups of spirits in that world. What we love defines our geography. So as we move towards what is more heavenly and loving, we move up and get sort of better and better spiritual company that then has an impact. But it has to be done through this divine power because uh, there's a lot of connection there. And the, the, the mind is a very complex system that has to be balanced as it moves. So there you go. That is that. Let's, but it, not everything is that complex. There, there can be simple things that we're doing, and this whole mind, body, soul, you know, really mind, soul thing is the same thing, but this whole process that we're setting out here, you don't have to be shooting for perfection 
on the physical level. I said before not to neglect the physical, but there can be times when there's a certain ceiling, you know, we're all getting older, right? But also you may have a condition that you're, you're not going to be able to fix, but you can manage. Even if things aren't going perfectly physically, we can be still caring for our spirit and progressing, and the spirit is what lasts, so it's really the priority. Um, so no matter what's going on physically, there can be good brought uh, to the spirit from our conditions. This is Secrets of Heaven 8478. People who trust in the deity are always moving forward to a state of eternal happiness, and no matter what happens to them in the temporal world, it still contributes to that state. So even the physical things we go through, as we were talking about before with our spectrum, even if we were potentially having these catastrophic physical things or these painful long-term conditions, if that's linked to the spiritual, if we're if it's causing us to think about life in a different way. And you I mean you always see people who are in a documentary or something and they say, well, because of this accident or this condition I had, it makes me think about life in a different way, it makes me who I am. That kind of stuff, that's the spirit growing and improving despite the body, and and really because of what might seem like a detriment to the body, we can grow. But it doesn't have to be a big thing, it can be the little things we go through. Even the next time you get sick, you can be using it to think about, I'd love to free my spirit from spiritual sickness, let me think about what's important, let me take care of my health. All right, spiritual and physical. As we said in the beginning, what we're not trying to say here is that if you do get sick, that means you failed spiritually or you're possessed by an evil spirit, and it doesn't mean you should only look to spiritual things for the cure, where you know, physical things work, but it's always great to do things holistically with all levels that you can affect involved. Um, we're not saying, so we're not saying that stuff, but Swedenborg does seem to pre- be presenting uh, sort of a middle way. Like if you look at our spiritual physical chart again, um, you know, you try to take care of both. Some people will say everything is physical. You know, there's no such thing as spiritual. You can just look at the physical. That's all you'll need. Other people say it's it's all spiritual. I don't want to take my kid to to get medicine because I'm just going to heal them through faith. Swedenborg is really presenting us with a uh, middle way that there is the physical. Oh man, it's so hard to remember. There is a physical, there is a spiritual, they're always interacting, and we can be working with both. It's physical is contributing to situations, spiritual is contributing to situations in very specific ways, but that we don't know, obviously we don't have all that knowledge, but what we're hoping today is that we could give you uh, an overall concept of the physical-spiritual interaction that will serve you enough that you can keep researching on your own, that you could be making little decisions to hopefully have a healthy mind healthy body, uh, and and be looking at using it all to bring happiness to the, the human race, because that's what it's all about. If you want to bring happiness to the human race right now, like and subscribe, well, it'll bring happiness to us, because it'll get our video out into YouTube, and somebody will find it, and hopefully it'll be something that they really like, it'll make their day, and, and you can be a part of that, just by liking and subscribing, that's the beauty of YouTube. If you want to make our programming possible, please consider making a donation, we're a nonprofit. this is how we get this stuff to run, here's a little bit about our philosophy. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com, and we produce this show and other content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. 
So we didn't do live questions this time because, as I said earlier in the show, it's Halloween. We got to go out and trick or treat tonight. You know, people got things to do. So we're posting this, but we're still going to do questions because we're going to take ones that we didn't get a chance to answer before and answer them now. So here's a few of those. Let's take a look at what you guys got. This is Shannon saying, if negative thoughts come from the spirit world when we think them, then wouldn't they technically be coming from us too? Um, Swedenborg has an interesting dynamic that he sets up here. He says, heaven and hell is always influencing us, right? So there are these negative thoughts coming from the spiritual world, but here you have, when we think them, when we get something and feel it as our own and believe it and, and act on it, then it it becomes ours, Swedenborg says, so that we get this positive and negative inflow, but whichever one we identify with, we say, oh yeah, that's me, I feel like that, I believe that's mine, Th- that links us more closely to those. So there is, he says that once we believe it, act on it, and feel like it's ours, and think that it's ours, then that does become a part of us and, and is coming from us. So it's not like we totally aren't involved in to- and, and don't get uh, any kind of um, responsibility for things, obviously, but he does say that we we do have sort of a detachment option. The more that we recognize heaven and hell and can sort of feel them when they're in our minds, the less we're detached to the hell part and the more we can consciously choose to, to, to attach to the heaven part. So there is, it's like, just like the physical and the spiritual are kind of like together in all these complex ways, the us and the them, the the what what what's my role in the spiritual world, in the, the larger human race picture, what's them, which it's all, we're all kind of part of this one large complex system as well. So great question. Hopefully I answered that. Okay, let's take a look at the next one. This is Deborah. Um, how does Swedenborg explain ghosts? spirits that stay on earth. I would not say Swedenborg is the guy to go to for that, because the way that ghosts are talked about now, he doesn't, you could tease apart some things he says, but for him, he was, he never turned off the spiritual world thing. Like, once he had his spiritual experiences, he was always having those spiritual experiences. For the, for, He was lucidly, continuously interacting with the spiritual world for the last three decades of his life. So to him, if he were hanging out here in this studio, he would be aware of spirits all around him at, at the time. So it wouldn't be like, well, here's one that's particularly interested. He And he doesn't give a lot of, sort of the theme with ghosts that I find is, oh, they haunt a particular house, or they, um, this is a very good Halloween question, they, they haunt a particular house, or they, they're attached to a certain thing. He doesn't really talk about, oh, let's see, he doesn't really talk about that that physical attachment, but he does sort of talk about attachments lingering. He talks once about there was a woman who, in her life, had liked Swedenborg, had, had wanted a romantic relationship with him, but Swedenborg, I think, had spurned her or hadn't hadn't reciprocated, and she had died and was hanging on to hatred for Swedenborg, and because of her hatred for him, whenever Swedenborg picked up a knife, he got these thoughts about, you know, cut yourself with it, and that was from her, so there was this sort of... But it's not... It, it wasn't quite one-to-one like that. So I would say for, for the modern explanation of ghosts, he's not a great person. And this, spirits that stay on earth, the spiritual world is not distanced from the physical world. So we're among earth and spirits are occupying the same space, but they're in a spiritual dimension, we're in a physical dimension. So it's not like you're on earth and you can fly off once you're a spirit. You, you, you're still here, particularly the world of spirits is, is right where we are in heaven and hell. It's not 
there's no spiritual distance in that in that same way. So, you know, they, they stay on, like, staying on earth, according to Swedenborg, would be keeping the mind in earthly things, wealth, power, prestige, uh, everything dysfunctional. The more you stay on that, the more earthly-minded you are. So there's a couple pieces you could pull out from Swedenborg, but you might not get the same picture as is commonly reported in, like, ghost hunter shows and that kind of thing. But I'm sure if he was sitting here, he would have a lot to say about it. So, cool. You'll have to take my non-answer instead of that. All right, let's look at the next one. Katrina, does Swedenborg talk about the relationship between emotional and mental attributes? He talks about that all the time. Um, he talks about the will and the understanding. He says that the the un- understanding is, there's a lot of different ways that's translated. Sometimes it's volition and discernment. Um, and he talks about the the thought side or the the understanding side and the will side or the feeling side. And he says that those two things together are what make us us. And he has a lot to say about them. I will say that he says that emotional always trumps mental. That we sometimes think, um, hey, I'm doing this because I thought about it and that affected my feelings. He says, actually, feelings are really running the show. That feelings um, are what lets us focus on anything that we'd want to think about. It's our feelings really sort of reject everything that we don't agree with. Um, even if you come across a piece of information that seems to shake up your worldview and you change, that's really because you haven't had a feeling that was wanting to know the truth, and that desire pulled you into it. He really seems to say that, which was a big reversal for him after his spiritual experiences because he was a very intellectual guy and I think probably would have given thoughts primacy before he had this revelation. So he talks about emotional attributes really leading things and that the emotional attributes are sort of more what stays with us on the other side because he says even if you fill up your mind with all kinds of amazing spiritual ideas, if you're living a life of selfishness and harming other people, then all the all the good stuff you know dissipates in the other life because it doesn't agree with your love. The only things in the mind that stay are those that agree with the love. However, the mind is cool because even if we have uh, sort of negative desires in us or, or dysfunctional emotional conditions, the mind can rise above those and and um, be sort of a self-reflection mechanism. He says all regeneration happens through the mind. So that's, we can be led through our concepts, and the concepts can kind of pull the will. So in that sense, the mind can lead. So those are a few. He wrote a couple of, he didn't write books on them specifically, but it's all throughout his books. But those are a few thoughts on that. Hope you like it. I think we have one more question. Yeah, we do. Jennifer, is worrying or being afraid a form of evil? Does Swedenborg teach us how to control worry and fear? Sure. I mean, a lot of people have baggage around the world word evil, but Swedenborg I gave his definition earlier. All unrest is from evil and falsity, meaning uh, it's not ideal, and it is, does go in conflict with Swedenborg says the, we got to try to learn to trust in divine providence. The more you do that, the less you're going to have worry. But he wouldn't I wouldn't say, um, you, you obviously can't, if somebody's beset by fear or anxiety, saying, you're evil because of that. And it doesn't mean that they're evil, it, but it means that they're under attack by evil. And they're in, it's in, they're in falsity. So there's evil and falsity, right? Well, I say you're in falsity if you're worried or being afraid because the truth is not scary. If, if we really understood how much God has taken care of everything, 
how much heaven is caring for us, how everything is being turned into good, how great eternal life can be, um, we wouldn't have those worries. Now, that's very hard to get to that place, and I don't think there's anybody, no matter how evolved they are uh, on in this world that couldn't be made to worry if the right circumstances came along, but it's something we can work towards. So I'd say if you're beating yourself up about it, don't. Um, but if you want to aspire to something, yeah, you can look at that as something to push away because it's it's false. It's not true. Every, whatever you're worried about ultimately isn't true because there's some interpretation of it or your the consequences you think will come from that thing won't really come. It's going to be fine. It's going to be totally fine. That's the whole message. Easier said than done, as I said. If you do want to learn about how to control worry and fear, I'd actually recommend, early in this episode, we gave links to our spiritual toolkit series. Those are just a couple of little thoughts that we had, little techniques to deal with. There's one on anxiety, there's one on fear. I would look at those, because um, Swedenborg doesn't really give you a ton of specific techniques. I gained some comfort in worry and fear from reading, particularly about this sorts of providence that I was just talking about. Um, so you can check check that out as well. The book Divine Providence might, might be good, but check out those short clips as well. Okay, everybody, that's our questions for today. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great hanging out with you. Uh, and we're going to be back next week. We're going to be, speaking of questions, we're going to be doing a question panel show. So spiritual questions answered. So we will have your questions that you ask live and we will give our best. Like you see how I'm not doing a great job here. There's going to be four people not doing a great job next show. So we hope you'll join us for that. And I'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks.